Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. It looks like I got a little something in my throat right now. It is Wednesday, September the 13th. We want to welcome you to a, uh, a midweek show. I think we're going to have a good time here. We've got an excellent guest that we are going to ask some questions about coverage of January 6th. I think there's a story in both the uh, what's going on and what's happened with the defendants, but also in the process of covering it. I think people that have been involved in this have learned things along the way, and they are starting to piece together more and more of it. But it is a, an onion that has many, many layers. So stick around. We're going to be talking to Mel Halley in just a moment here. I want to say thanks to our sponsors so we don't get interrupted with any of that. Uh, let's say first thanks to uh, our buddy Garrett O'Boyle. This is our merch store. This is the-suspendables.com. You guys can go there, check out the T-shirts, check out he's getting some hats, and we've got some lapel pins. I'll be wearing those soon whenever I do interviews on the, uh, the bigger stations. So check them out, the-suspendables.com. And always a big thank you to our friends over at Catholic Vote, America's top Catholic organization in the fight for faith, freedom, and family. Put your email in there. Get the loop. It is a fantastic email. You guys will learn something every day. I assure you of that one. And then lastly, I want to say a big thanks to Patriot Coolers, our OG sponsors. You just saw a tweet about them today. If you're following our Twitter channel, go to PatriotCoolers.com. Use promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. That gets you 10% off. Showing right there is the uh, the Veterans and First Responders Collection. They've got stuff for everybody who's a cop, who's a firefighter, who's an EMS worker in your life. They've got some uh, really nice branded gear, American flags with like firefighter axes and so on, the EMS symbol. Uh, good good quality stuff. It's all uh, it's all laser etched in there, and they are really good people. Uh, there's one. There's Ryan's right there. That's his patriotic Tumblr. Again, promo code Kyle when you go to patriotcoolers.com. Big thanks to them. All right, let's uh, let's launch right into this. Mel and I have been uh, holding up, holding you guys up. We were doing some tech difficulties. Ryan and I troubleshooting, so we don't have any of the problems from before. So, Mel, welcome to the Kyle Seraphin Show. First of all, tell me who you are, where you came from, and then we'll get into why you started covering January 6th stuff. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, you know, I have, um, I, I'm a, a mom of eight, uh, Catholic. <laughs> That's why I'm a mom of eight. Yes. And, uh, um, I was, uh, you know, I was just a mom playing on Twitter like three years ago. And, uh, but I've always been, you know, always been a Patriot. Uh, I, I did have a little bit of a following on Facebook. Um, and I, uh, I ended up working for a podcaster, and uh, we had a media team that uh, was going to go to the Capitol on January 6th. And uh, we were just going to you know, send back uh, live stream uh, videos that we took and pictures uh, to this podcaster who was going to be live streaming it. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, it was um, when I left the Capitol that day and I was riding home and I left about three. So I wasn't there, you know, into the evening or anything. But it, it turned on the radio and, and heard what they were saying. And, and I looked at my friend that I rode in with and I said, this isn't what I just experienced. Uh, you know, this is this is not OK. And I had I had only posted one person, one personal picture to Facebook um, from my day. And I went on Facebook and I said, I, I'm going to go take that picture down because something's just not right here. And uh you know, so I so I had a big interest in it. I was following uh, any stories I heard about people being arrested. I was hearing about I, I live in Virginia and I was hearing about people being arrested here in Virginia and uh, being raided 
uh, you know, their children being taken out uh, five o'clock in the morning in pajamas and freezing cold weather. And, uh, you know, I just started following this and, and, and started found my way into the community uh, through other January 6th defendants. And then come uh, September of 2021, uh, I, I had a couple of agents show up at my house and you know, they, they questioned me for about 30 minutes. And something just didn't seem right about it either. I wasn't even sure that they were actually federal agents. They they showed me badges. Um, what do the badges look like? Had a, um, well, they were they were, you know, if I remember correctly, they were they were just metal badges inside of some kind of, you know, leather or plastic or whatever. Uh, I I don't remember that well. Uh, I wasn't really thinking about it at the time. Were, <laughs> were they very small out. badges? No, they were not really small. Hmm. Okay. And uh, anyway, so they, they, you know, they were attractive, thirty-something couple, but she had a pierced nose, and and he had a a, a beard, and I thought I, I didn't think federal agents were allowed to to look like that. I thought they, you know, had some pretty strict rules about what they had to look like. And so when when they were getting ready to leave, I said, you know, do you have a card? And they said, no, no, we, we, we don't carry cards. It's not safe. They said, you can see our badges again. And, and actually, when they first got there, I, I said, the first thing I said was, I was there as media. Do you want to see my media badge? And they said, yes. I went and got it. They took pictures. Um, but they, they pulled out their badge again, or he did, and, and said, you, you can see our badges. I said, can I take a picture? And they said, no, and put it away. And then they said, um, you can call the Washington field office to verify and our names are, are Jason and Olivia. And I'm thinking, wait, your first name is supposed to be special agent. What, why are you giving me first names? This is insane. So, you know, they, they said, is it okay, you know, if we contact you again? And I said, I guess. And uh, so, I, you know, I immediately got, a, got an attorney involved. And um, both the attorney and I called this field office and and were laughed at for, for suggesting that they could verify that agents were at my house by giving first names. And uh, that's when we kind of started putting together, you know, they're they're pulling agents off of everything. It's it's very possible that these were uh, undercover agents. And that's why they're used to just giving their first name. And that's why she had a pierced nose and, and he had a beard and you know, I mean, does that sound feasible to you, Kyle, that that's what that was? Not really. It sounds like they were no? just FBI agents. They don't know how to talk to people, which we keep seeing. I actually just shared something on Twitter this morning. Um, you know, people that are out of shape, people that are slovenly dressed, uh, people that are don't know how to deal with the public, don't know how to identify themselves, think that it's scary or that they are secret agents or something like that. I, I used to joke. I used to work at the Washington field office. I was there five years. I probably can find out who Jason and Olivia are. That's probably like three phone calls for me. So I'll, I'll, I'll well, well, yeah, I do have their, I, I do have their full names now because they came back two months later and okay. when they came back, well, same uh, couple. I don't want to cut you off. I yeah. just want you to understand that, uh, that FBI agents, the assumption is that you're going to see somebody in a suit and a tie. They're going to come knock on your door. They're going to present credentials the way Fox Mulder and, and Dana Scully used to on the X-Files. And they're going to have a conversation with you that is going to be intelligent people asking intelligent questions. And what we have now, and I hate to use the term, but they're, they're kind of like social retards. I had so many new agents come out of the field that had never knocked on a door before and talked to a stranger. And so you're much better off having a background in sales 
and and corporate sales than you are having a background in whatever it is that they're hiring people into. And there's a lot of these people that just they're act they act weird. They literally have a rule at the academy: don't don't be weird. That's what they try to tell people when they teach them how to talk. And you obviously experience the opposite of that. The idea that a female would have a nose piercing is not crazy. I obviously have a beard. Um, just for your awareness, and I'm going to let you just run wild for a second here. But uh, my my first sort of mentor within my squad told me that I need to grow a beard because it's the it's the last fu to management that they can't make us stop. So that's why <laughs> that's why I grew a beard and I've grown a beard ever since. And anyway, it's it, yeah. it's not the FBI that you yeah. think it is though. And I think that's really I think it's it, that's a really important part of your story because it's not what you expect and it's very weird. Yeah, it, it was just it was bizarre. It, it really was. And <laughs> I can only and, imagine and being I, on I, the I, other end of it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was crazy. So, you know, when they came back, I, I said, uh, you can talk to my attorney. And, and they said, what, what, what? You, you, you said we could come back. And I said, things have changed. And uh, so after that, uh, I, I did only converse with them through my attorney and uh, they, they wanted to know if they could interview me. I said, sure, why not? Um, and uh, so I sat down with them at the, the FBI office in, in Manassas, Virginia, and, okay. um, you know, had a little conversation there. Uh, it, it was uh, it was interesting. You had to go through a little uh, security office there. I don't know if you've been to that office, Kyle. But, I used um, to work out of it. Yep. It, did you? Okay. So there's a little outside uh, security building that you have to go through to to get in. And um, uh, at the time, they were you know they were requiring masking. So I had a Ugh. I had a, a mask that was uh, the American flag, and and so I you know I put the mask on upside down, and and the uh, this the screener out there he, he looked at me as we went through security and he said your mask is on upside down i said yeah i know <laughs> you said our country is in duress right now it's under duress yes that's that's intentional um was the but, screener uh, an, an indian man they have a like a bunch of contractors those aren't fbi employees from what i remember no it was a it was a black man okay. um yeah they had a couple of you people know, that were was... working there that didn't speak english as a first language i always thought that was really fun i was like i'm glad they're keeping me. they're keeping us safe Yes. yes. <laughs> Contract company, Wackenhut Hut or something. Um, right. Okay. So yeah. you went into the the field office, or this is the that's called the resident agency out in Manassas. That's part of the Washington field. You probably know that. Uh, and so you sat mm -hmm. down. You went through the the visitor entrance, is what we call that side. As you drive in on the and then drive into the right and pull in through that little yes. lot there and walk in through the visitor and they screen you and do the uh, the metal detector and all that kind of thing. So then somebody came and met you there and walked you into the building. Yeah, they, they, these, uh, these two agents did, and they, they met my attorney and myself and, and, uh, we walked in and, and went to some little, uh, you know, interview room mm -hmm. uh, there on the first floor. And, and, you know, this was after four o'clock in the afternoon. So this was kind of, you know, after hours, people had gone home, uh, you know, so it was pretty quiet in there and, um, you know, it, they made it pretty, uh, clear that they, that they were not going to charge me that just the way they, they acted, um, you know, they, they were very, um, they said, you know, you can leave at any time. Uh, you know, there were just different things that they, that they said. And, and, uh, so they interviewed me, they asked me about my, um, my, my day there and, and the, their, their focus was where, who was planning this, who was coordinating this, you know, they, they went on and on about that. And I was just going, what? We're just a bunch of patriots going to, you know, use our free speech, you know? Right. And uh, so, uh, you know, at the end of it, they, they did ask me if they could uh, have my, my video coverage from that day. And, you know, I said, sure. Uh, you know, they, they've got it all anyway. I mean, you know, I'm not. It's, been, pu it's all been in. published. 
it's all out there. And uh, they, they, they said, is there anything incriminating? And my attorney said, well, I've watched it twice. And unless you're going to try to arrest the, you know, 200 people who, who breached the, the, um, the bike racks at the bottom of the scaffolding there, um, you know, little did we know that yes, indeed, they would like to arrest the 200 people that we that breached that. Uh, Was that but, shocking um, when you started I, finding that out? When I found what out? That they were going to go after the people were... on the bike racks? <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. I mean, because they keep telling us, you know, we're still going after 1,500 more. And uh, and I said, you know, I, I there is some incriminating stuff in there. I said, I've got video of the uh, the police officers opening the scaffolding door, talking to us and letting us all in. You know, that's that's incriminating. <laughs> you want that? So, uh, it, you know, they, they've never they've never uh, gone on to charge me, thankfully. But, you know, I, I feel their presence. I, I uh, you know, I know they're listening to me. And, and in fact, uh, my my interviews, I've, I've interviewed um since then, you know, I've gone on to cover as a, as a podcaster. Uh, my, my whole focus has been January 6th, um, completely for the past uh, year. And before that, I was, you know, it was mostly January 6th. So, uh, you know, I've, um, I, I've gotten to know a lot of these people, a lot of these families. And, and uh, it, it's pretty much been my whole life, to be honest, uh, yep. because, you know, I want to dig into that. and I want to understand a little bit more about that. So I put my toe in the water because somebody asked me if I would interview the the five Proud Boys who were just sentenced. And if the answer is, of course, yes, I'm happy to take that phone call and do that uh, interview. And we did. And the amount of online hate and vitriol that's happened, particularly on Twitter, that's the biggest place for it, but also even on True Social, which is the two platforms I use the most. Um, it's it's pretty astounding, actually. And it's it's kind of it's kind of disgusting <laughs> that the America has gotten to the point where people are so mad about something that didn't affect them. What do you think the the emotional trigger is for people that are mad about uh, mad at and about the J six defendants? Donald Trump. It's it's <laughs> it's connection to Donald Trump. It's just that irrationality. Yeah, yeah, I really think it is. It's it's the the Trump derangement syndrome, and it, and it carries over into anything that the media tells them is connected to Donald Trump. Hmm. How how did people get so crazy about Donald Trump? You've been you've been watching this the same way I did. Did you have any sense yeah. that like when he even when he was running, could you have ever imagined how mad people would be about this guy? No, no, I couldn't. And and it's just it's it's fed by the media. I mean, you know, they they're they don't like their feelers getting hurt. And and he says mean things. And um and they're told that he's a really really bad guy. And they and they and they eat it up. They believe it. They want to have some anger somewhere. So that's where they direct it. And then you know we're the maggots, and uh, they they got to go after us as well. And and I, it's just it's so hard to watch. Yeah, how do you deal with that? I you know you know I try to I try to just like ignore it. Once in a while I I get sucked in, and uh, I actually you know start conversing with these people online. And I'm like, what am I doing? There, there's no reason for this. This is just. Uh, it's pointless and, and it does nothing. It does nothing to move anything forward in the right direction. It's certainly not productive conversation. It is monetized engagement in my case. So I just sort of mute them and let them tire themselves out, I guess. But but it's really wild how how just uh, vile people will be. There's a guy out there right now. This is kind of unrelated, but it's fun for conversation that is accusing me. And I put accusing in air quotes. He's accusing me of being a trucker. 
I don't I don't know what the allegation means. <laughs> like, I don't know why that's an allegation for anybody. But he accused me of being a trucker and being sad. And I was like, yeah, it'd be cool if you could do a, like a podcast from a truck. I would do that. That would be really fun. But I do a podcast from a hardwired location with a studio every day. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, it's, it's, it's so strange, but they just get out there in the world. They, they've created these fantasy, uh, you know, threats and you're one of them and I'm one of them. And then they, they get really mad about it. It's so strange. It's, it's just a weird time to be alive. Uh, let's talk about as you've, uh, started digging into this, this animal of January 6th, as you, and, and our, our mutual friend, Sean, I think we're, uh, I think you're, you know, Sean, he, um, he said, you've interviewed more J sixers than anybody except the FBI. Does that sound true? That that is true. Okay. I, I believe so. Okay. Yes. And maybe more <laughs> than the FBI because the FBI doesn't interview some people. They just knock down their door at six a.m. Yes, I, I I agree. I um, you know, it's funny and 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 continuing actually in the in the line of of, of the trolls. I I have these people tell me that that I don't know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. and that they know what January six really was about. And and even when I say, you know, have you have you looked at my profile? Do you do you realize that, you know, this is this is my my line of expertise, you know, and and not only from, you know, first uh, from being there myself, but but from, you know, interviewing all of these people and watching all of this video and, uh, you know, just being connected to all the different people who are on the front lines fighting for this. And and then and then they still think that that I don't know what I'm talking about. So then I just move along. But uh, it's it's, it's kind of crazy. It really is. There's a, so, there's a um, do you remember the concept of the Gnostics? You know, they were a, like a Christian sort of her- heretical sect early on in, in the, the, yeah. the church. They, they had secret yeah. knowledge. That was sort of the, the hallmark of it. There's a lot of Gnostics out there about January 6th. They know more than you do. And they can't tell yeah. you why. No, no, they, they can't. But, but but they know. But they know and, that and you're wrong because. The, the media told them. That's right. Uh, and, and they've got the secret. Know, it, it's, the secret CNN pass. The, yes, yes, and and there's a uh, there is a video montage that uh, the the government introduces as evidence into every single one of these cases, and um, it, it's just all of the violence on the west side of the Capitol. Mm-hmm. So even if people were on the east side. They were at the Columbus stores the whole time. They never even went on the West side. The government still enters this video montage of all the violence on the West side of the Capitol and every single one of these trials. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just despicable, but I think that that video is probably what they, what they took and, and gave to all the mainstream media on, on January 6th and that they continued to, to show on, on loop, you know, on, uh, on all of these, on all of these channels, um, for weeks and, and still, if they need to go to it, they'll, they'll go to it. But, uh, yeah, it, it's crazy. It really is. For me, what's been really shocking is seeing the difference between what happened in DC and Portland and Minneapolis and many of the other cities, Dallas had some, I know Los Angeles had riots over George Floyd and some of them I was in and some of them I just saw on TV, but they were hundreds of angles and, you know, thousands of random different people in it. And then they, the fixation was never that. It was always the two, three hours that was rowdy outside the Capitol where things, you know, it sounded like they got pretty hairy, but it wasn't for half the year. I don't know. It's just. No. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I, you know, I, my go-to is, is just the, the media coverage of, of the, uh, what went down in DC with the white house and all the burning that was going on. I mean, that, that was wild. But we don't hear anything about that. 
So you're yeah, in the Virginia that, area. That that would have been local news for you, right? Pretty much. What do you yeah, What do you remember yeah. hearing about that going through in the summer of two thousand of twenty uh, twenty? Um, you know, I I'm not. Ex- I'm an hour from from DC, so it's not extremely local. But mm-hmm. I was uh, living in Manassas at the time, and uh, there was uh, there were some riots going on. That they came to Manassas, and and they were not far from from where I lived, and and that was that was pretty scary actually. Uh, that they brought it there, and and they have you know, and that's it's very political. They have really tried hard to uh, to turn Prince William County and Manassas uh, blue, mm-hmm. and and it happened quickly they uh there were literally billboards uh 15 10 15 years ago down in mexico there were literally billboards that said come to manassas and they were they were trying to bring as many into manassas as they could uh it it got so bad that they had to try to uh, change the zoning um they had houses that were being rented out room by room to to families i i knew people who had their own children i mean they were not they were not friends but they, they you know they lived in the neighborhood and and my kids knew their kids who these kids didn't even have a bedroom of their own because their families were renting these rooms out to make money to all of these um hispanic families that had come in across the border uh, so the, you know they they ended up being successful in pretty much turning manassas blue which is pretty crazy because Manassas is a, it's a got a huge Catholic conservative Catholic population that lives there, mm-hmm. very devout Catholics, and 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 to be able to to bring in all of this, uh, uh, I don't know, just a, a, a wave of um, of Democrats basically to to change the politics there. It's uh, it's it's really. Unbelievable that this can happen so quickly, but it, but it did. So I did a lot of surveillance cases in Woodbridge. I did a lot of them in Manassas. We were all in and around that area. There's a lot of, uh, uh, PW County that we are, we are dealing with. So pretty, pretty, pretty familiar stomping grounds for me. And, and they definitely did that. There was a lot of MS 13. There was a lot of fentanyl and all these kind of things that were going on from the time that I started doing that. Uh, very bizarre. And, and once again, contrasted with what happened on January 6th as, uh, you know, the threat to our democracy, which I cannot handle the, 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 the oh. mo, mo democracy over and over again. It's just, it's so oh, hard. God. It is. It's hard. It's really hard to hear. <laughs> okay. So as you've been covering January 6th, um, are there different baskets of types of people that are, that are involved in this? Are there different kinds of human beings that were wrapped up in the, uh, the FBI arrests and, and, and the sort of the gulag treatment? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, you know, I, I went in this uh, just uh, with, the, with the whole feeling of, oh, you know, all of these people are, are innocent victims, and then this is so terrible. I can't believe this is happening. And, uh, you know, it's, it's actually a really good thing that we have this, this January 6th community where we've got all of these different peoples and all, all, all of, I mean, all these different organizations, all of these different um, family members, uh, just people that are advocating and, and working on the front lines um, to really get a, a better feel for, for what's going on. And uh, you you brought up uh, the, the article I did about uh, Ryan Samsaw. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that, that was a really hard, that was a really tough one because I've been advocating for this guy for a, a year and a half. And um, 
you know, he, he had a pretty big story. He started off in the, um, the DC gulag, the DC jail and, you know, suffered some pretty severe injuries apparently at the hands of the guards there. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they moved him out and then he ended up in, um, in, well, I can't remember if he went directly to Northern Neck uh, Regional Jail, which is in Warsaw, Virginia, or if he went uh, anywhere else before he got there. But he supposedly was uh, strapped into a chair there and, and viciously beaten a couple of times there as well. And um, and then they, they moved him to Philly. Mm-hmm. And it's once he was in Philly is where I ended up hearing about him uh, through a letter that a um, woman who is a, she's a, she's a widow farmer in Kansas. How did she connect? uh, She was writing to all of these, all of these people. Is this the Patriot Mail Uh, Project or something to that effect? That was. Yes. So Patriot Mail Project, uh, you know, it connects people so that they can write letters to, to all of the defendants. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she received a letter from Ryan and she got in touch with us and, um, and I eventually ended up getting in touch with Ryan and, and I've been advocating for him for, for about the past year and a half, uh, putting out his, his gifts and go, um, getting people as he requested to write to his judge and, and request this medical attention that, that he says he needs desperately that he's not getting. Um, and, so <laughs> we've learned a lot about prisons through this too. So if these guys, when they're, when they're not in the DC jail, when they're in, you know, Bureau of prisons, jails, other, in, in other locations, um, you know, they, they're just part of the general population there. And one of the things that uh, is a, is a little, uh, a, a racket, you know, I mean, we're all aware of, you know, the drugs being uh, sold and all that sort of thing, but, but cell phones are a thing too. Yep. So I started getting phone calls and texts from uh, from different phone numbers uh, claiming to be Ryan and, and actually claiming to be a couple of the other inmates, too. And, and I was like, what in the world is going on? What in the and world I, is I, going on? Yeah. So uh, they they can get these cell phones. And um, and, and having talked to some of the other guys, you know, they, I've, I've been told um, that they sometimes are, are brought in by drones and dropped into the yard. Sure. Um, apparently there's big money in that, you know, you can get like 15 grand for, for flying in, uh, you know, a bunch of <laughs> phones and drugs, and whatever to these prisons. And it costs about two grand to get yourself a phone. Mm-hmm. But then of course, if uh, your, your cell gets turned over by the guards, they're, they're going to take that $2,000 phone. So that's that's never good for them. Operational risk. But that's right. Operational risk. But you can you can also just rent these phones by the hour. So that's what a lot of these guys do. And, you know, they would, you know, I'd have have them telling me, you know, well, I get the phone every day at two so I can call you at two. (laughs) Uh, They're calling from their cells. They're calling from their cells and their cell phones. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a racket inside. This is, this is what they do. What do you, uh, what do you, what do you think about that? Like, 
it obviously gives you access to prisoners, which we wouldn't have otherwise. There's something interesting about that. What, how do you how do you square all this kind of stuff? Because it's against policy for sure. It might be against yeah, the law. It that, might be against the federal law now that I think about it. I haven't looked at the law, probably. but I know there's certain things that are listed as contraband. I know the drugs part are, and there's some other things that are contraband. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it's 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 been great uh, to be able to get these interviews and to to get more information. And you know, and then these, but then these guys they have access to to the internet, which they normally don't, which is which can be pretty scary, because they could be doing a lot of nefarious things. Like what? Yeah. Um, I mean. Gosh, I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's so much that, that they could do. I don't even know because I, I don't live that kind of that kind of lifestyle. But, uh, they, you know, they could be, um, you know, creating roles. They could be becoming people online. They, you know, I, I don't know. They, they could do a lot of things. Um, they could generate social media we're talking about. They could be uh, yeah. creating campaigns. They could be running disinformation or, you know, positive information about their case or something like that. So there's it. I mean, it's it, it, they could be harassing people that they're not allowed to be in touch with. Uh -huh. uh, I mean, there, there's just so many things. Yeah, those are I, I mean, we'd have to spend probably a whole day sitting there and, and scheming out on the on the pros and cons list. Like you say, the, the pro is you get to hear some some direct firsthand sourcing, which is not always the case. And you don't have to go to the prison to do it. So that's great. But uh, right. hey, I, I wonder what you're involved in with that. OK, so uh, the basket, some of these people are obviously less reputable in, in the, the J6 defendant group. We're starting to see some of that. When did you start, first become aware of that? OK, so so, you know, I started there were some things along the way that I thought, hmm. You know, I'm not so sure this is 100 uh, percent, but, you know, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because, I mean, look what they're going through. Look what they're going through. But I mean, I mean the torture, the abuse, uh, just being locked up uh, for so long, everything that's going on. And so then I was I was put in touch with. I uh, said so Ryan put me in touch with with another inmate and. Uh, he explained that that there was this story that, you know, this guy saved him because he he wasn't being taken care of. And, and this young black man, because there's mostly a mostly black population in there. Ryan's not black. And uh, so to be accepted into this, you know, population and, and everything to be cool. And, you know, he had to he had to have this guy on his side and the guy. uh you know, says he's, you know, helps out Ryan and, and makes sure he's safe in there. And then Ryan helps him out uh, because of some kind of issue he had. And so, you know, he wants to put out this story. He wants me to help get him and get this story out that, uh, you know, this this young black man inside, he's pro-Trump, too. And and he saved Ryan. And what a great story this is. And so he gets the kid on the phone with me and, and, and I say, kid, this guy's, I think he's like 20 years old mm -hmm. and he's in there some kind of involvement in the George Floyd, um, protest riot. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I talked to this guy for a minute, but then he hangs up and then he calls back a little while later away from Ryan. And he's like, this is Ryan's trying to get me to tell this story in a way that the story didn't really happen. And I don't want to lie. 
And so I'm, I'm not going to put the story out there that way. Ryan's putting this twist on it to try to make money. So all of this is about a, a grift. So, I mean, look at the look at the fact that a phone in there is two grand. And these people are raising money saying, you know, help me, help me. I need it for my legal defense. I need it for my family at home. I need it for, you know, medical expense. And, and at one point he, he tells the, the audience, my audience, that, you know, the judge has finally said that I can get these these surgeries, these medical appointments I need, but I'm going to have to pay for them myself. There's no well, that's, way. that's not a that's not a thing. No, that <laughs> is not a thing. That. Once the Bureau of Prison owns you, they're responsible as well. That's I mean, and so did you know that was BS right away? I thought that was a little strange. I, 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 <laughs> what do you what do you do when you've got somebody that is lying to you and you're interviewing them on your podcast? How does that work for you? Um. You know, I, I'll tell you my my show. I've always said it's a it's a platform for their voices, mm-hmm. and and the way I look at it, regardless of 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 how how large my audience is now, I, I feel like what I'm doing is is a is an historical record of their truth. Because you know, we know there's there's your truth, there's my truth, and there's the truth, mm-hmm. and so. You know, I, there's there's a lot looking back that I now know is not true that people have said in these interviews. And I've actually had people come back to me and say, you know, I, I want to retract that. And I'm like, you know, I can't I can't retract it. It's the Internet's out. It, you know, it's forever. It's out there. That's right. If you want uh, to come what, back. Whether you're running for a Virginia State House and you put pornography or you say something on a podcast, they stay out there forever. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I'm like, you can come back on and we can do another interview. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I can't I, I, I can't, you know, get rid of that. It's there. Uh, but but yeah, so, you know, I, I've come to learn along the way that uh, and, and, you know, I just say this is this, my platform is for your voices. So so there are a lot of stories out there that probably aren't 100 percent true, but there are a lot of these defendants that I 100 uh, percent trust. And uh, I and I know they're good, honest people. But there's there's some sketchy ones, too. And, you know, a lot of these people have um, pretty serious criminal backgrounds. Can you talk and, about that a little bit? Uh, or is well, that, does that burn your credibility with the with their ability to come and talk to you? Well, yeah, you know, I'll just I'll just say that, you know, there's uh, there's men in the in the in the D.C. jail and the D.C. Gulag who have uh, who have felonies who who did. 10 years in prison uh, for, for killing someone for, uh, for having a meth lab. I, I, I mean, you know, this is, this is what we're dealing with here. And, and some of these people, you know, I, I seriously doubt that they are the Christians that they pretend to be mm-hmm. because that thing, they, they've created these, these, um, uh, these characters, these roles of I am uber patriot, uber Christian guy. And, uh, you know, they've, they may be very charismatic and that is why people listen to them. And, uh, so they just continue to play these roles because it brings in money and, uh, it, it makes them, uh, popular, <laughs> I guess. Is it a lot of money? For some of these people, it is. For some of these people, it is. And, and I'll tell you, I, 
you know, it was, it was a hard decision for me to put this story out. And, and I did get um, some recoil from it because, you know, we're not supposed to talk bad about any J6ers. But when we've got these, these stories coming out that are so obviously BS, it makes us look really stupid to the left when they're sitting there laughing at the picture of the guy in the janitor's closet, like I did the minute I saw it. And we sit there and we say, oh, I can't believe this is America with a K, you know? <laughs> yeah, will you, will you show the picture real quick, Ryan? <clears throat> Again. Uh, we, I mean, we've got to call this out. We've got to call this out because if we're not, if we're not being honest on our own side, who's going to believe us? So we've got a picture of a man. Um, I've got the picture up of Ryan that he released. He's laying on a mat of some kind in a very, very small room that's got a bucket and a drain, which is a janitor closet, as you described later on in your piece. He's pretty clean. He doesn't seem to have any surgical uh, scars on his face from where he has supposedly left and lost an eye, right? And then- Yeah, well, the, well, the story changed with the eye because it started out, he's blind. You know, his eye, his eye was popped out of socket. I mean, it, the stories were, right. and, and at one point in interviewing Ryan, I actually had him say, well, I just, I really, it's really something kind of detached, like in my brain, with my eye, I, I really just need this little surgery. I, I just can't see very well. Out they of can that just eye. put the optic nerve back together. That's fine. There's no big deal there. <laughs> yeah. So when you yeah. start getting these stories, that that picture right away, for me, triggered a bunch of questions. It's like, number one, if you've ever seen anybody who sits in the same room for a period of time, their their pants are not clean. Uh, the story was that he was thrown <laughs> in naked, but he's wearing nude-colored shorts, which looks like he could have been in dive school with me. Uh, we used to wear little, you know, khaki shorts like that. And then he, he's just sitting there. And so you, who took the picture and who left the picture? And where I did thought that from? was real. I legit thought that was real. <laughs> I just, I, I told Ryan this, uh, I told Ryan Matt of this, our producer, I said, I said, when I saw that photo, I had all these questions because I'm naturally curious and I'm, I'm actually, I'm naturally just a skeptic. That's, that's what makes you an investigator. And you had the same thing. So you start digging into this. You obviously found out the guy's getting put up to a story. What's the real story with what's going on in that photo? If you understand it. Okay. Well, so, so you know, I, I, I do believe that, that maybe something went on in Philly when they had him locked up there. Um, and, and I think it's important to say that this is the guy who uh, was at the initial breach at the bottom of the stairs at the Capitol, who was wearing a red MAGA hat and Ray Epps comes over and whispers to him and Ryan turns his red cap around, which to a lot of people, you know, because we were we were told, you know, Antifa is going to be wearing MAGA hats backwards. So immediately people think you know, oh, that must mean he's Antifa. Mm -hmm. uh, could be, but I don't think that's why he turned the hat around. He but could anyway, have also just been like a, like a over-the-top fan of Sly Stallone, and he just knew that was like flipping the switch, right? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, this is, a, this is a guy who grew up in the streets of Philly. He's, he's big into street fighting, and, uh, you know, he's... Anyway, that, that's kind of the kind of guy he is. Okay. So if you watch the... You can see he's getting all... Um, wired up he's ready to go kick some butt and and so that was just one of those moves where he's like i gotta turn the hat around so i can see better because i'm about to go i'm about to go beat the shit out of these police officers you know? okay there goes the jacket that's step one hats on uh -huh. now we're in business mode 
Ray Epps is going to yeah. tell him something. He says, uh -huh. he says, okay, now we all have to get inside the Capitol building. Otherwise, I'm not going to get paid by DHS or whatever he says. Right, right. <laughs> whatever, whatever they've agreed on. So, so he's not a. Uh, He's not the guys that we we're looking at that uh, didn't ever touch the fence or out with a bullhorn saying, don't go in there. It's a trap or some of these other things. He's a different kind of guy. How many buckets of people? I, I, I try to sort these people out in my head in kind of general camps. If he's the guy that's showed up there to do to get wild and maybe that's it. And then now he's doing a prison grift. What are the other what are the other camps look like? Uh, the, you mean just just other yeah other just defendants. broadly speaking across uh, the spectrum of people who are in in, in the january 6 uh, debacle in jail i mean from one end of the spectrum what's know, it look like and what's the far end of the spectrum look like from left to right boundaries if you would yeah so so yeah i, I don't want to mischaracterize january 6 defendants at all because you know in any group of people you're going to have the bad actors for sure we've 100%. got some great incredible people i mean we've got uh ronald colt maccabee who was a uh, law enforcement officer, a, a deputy sheriff, who was there in the tunnel where Roseanne Boylan was murdered. And he was trying to save her life. Uh, he was, he, you know, I, I believe he told the other officers there, I'm a police officer. He was trying to help her. He wanted to give her CPR. Mm -hmm. um, and they let him. And, and I think... Uh, you know, they even use some of that footage in the January 6th committee, but they take the audio out so you can't hear what he is saying. And this guy has been locked up since, you know, since the beginning, pretty much. And his wife's been out here. Sarah has been out here just fighting for him. Uh, it's it's crazy. It, it really is, because, I, I, you know, I really think that he is one of the really good ones. That's my um, sense as well. Just the things that I've read and the fact that we've dealt with Sarah a little bit. Um it, it would be really, really yeah. hard to imagine of, of another police officer of any kind, somebody in actual in law enforcement, go out and then say, I'm going to condone violence against law enforcement officers because of a political thing that happened. I mean, it, the, the line is not that flexible for any cop I've ever mm -hmm. met. I've never thought of a cop that way. And there probably are some out there that are garbage, but it's just it's hard to imagine. So I, you know, that's if that's one end of the spectrum, what's the other end of the spectrum look like? Um. Well, I mean, that, that, that's that's the the good end of the mm -hmm. spectrum, and then the bad end of the spectrum is 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 Ryan Samsoil and the and the like, uh, you know. So we we've got uh, you know we've got a lot of family uh, family men who are locked up. Their their families have lost everything in a lot of these situations. Uh, the wives end up leaving, uh, which is which is very sad because uh, and and I think in a lot of these cases it's because that they're they're not part of the community. Um, and I think that's where we've seen the suicides and uh, and these other kind of situations are where the family is is not part of the January 6th community because no one can understand what it's like to go through this except other January 6th families. So I, I, I think that's why it's so important for people to come in and, uh, and, and become a part of the community. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, that's the same thing yeah. with the military families. If you think about it, if you're not connected to other military wives, if you're not connected to people that are on base and know what's going on and understand the needs and, and the, then, then you're screwed. You're going to be divorced and go find somebody else to live with. But if you can have the support structure of community, then, then you know that that's how it works and people get along and they, they handle all kinds of difficulties. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so many of these are vets. It seems like too, it seems like the vets have kind of know what the, what the game is. Some of them do. Yeah, absolutely. We've we've uh, we've definitely have a, a lot of, uh, of veterans and um, 
and some law enforcement officers. I mean, it, it's it's heavy on that end for the arrests. It really is. What do you think the overall game is that is being played? But you, you dealt with the FBI a little bit. Um, you've dealt with the justice system. You've covered a lot of these trials. Like, what, what, what's the end goal here? Um, what's the angle? I think the government's angle is is to prom- promote as much fear as possible. And, and this runs not only on, uh, you know, on the prosecution side, but, but I'm, I'm, you know, you see it in the courtroom from the judges as well. Uh, you know, Judge Kelly went on and on in these uh, Proud Boy sentencings about, uh, <laughs> about protecting the government, which, you know, I, I couldn't even believe I was hearing that in the courtroom. Uh, protecting what is, yeah, what does that even mean? Exactly. I mean, <laughs> what about we the people? It's just insane. Uh, and, and that, uh, you know, it, that we had to to set an example, had to set an example so that people wouldn't do this again. Uh, so I think that's what it's all about. And if you just, if you look back at history, I mean, this is what they do. I mean, it's the, the political weaponization. Uh, they start putting their 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 enemies in jail. And then scaring everybody. And, you know, they, they don't want us to, uh, to protest. Um, so they, they've been quite effective in that. It's, I'll tell you, it's hard to get people to, to show up for a rally or a protest anymore. People are scared to death. Uh, they, they definitely don't want to do it in D.C. But, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. So they... Um, as I, I, I kind of got off that track at one point, but I, but I was starting to tell uh, you the story of, um, you know, I, I've done all these interviews. And so my, my, my podcast is in everybody's discovery. Oh yeah. That's and, fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's great. So I was, I was in a trial about three weeks ago and uh, it was a lunch break on the first day. And I was, I was at the bank of elevators in the, in the courtroom going down for lunch and, and the prosecution team walks up behind me. And uh, the prosecutor, I suddenly hear his voice. He says, it's great to see you in person for the first time, Ms. Holly. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's bizarre. Yeah. How many hours have they yeah. been pouring over your podcast looking for incriminating evidence? Exactly. Exactly. And that one sound bite uh, that they're going to play out of context or whatever it is they do. Yeah, yeah. And, and they were messing with me in that trial, too, because uh, they didn't actually end up using any of my my stuff. But on one of the slides they kept showing up in the top corner is a little tab open. That's that's the name of my podcast. <laughs> right. Now, tell people what the name of your podcast is, because they're going to be curious. They're going to want to go see that. And I, I looked at it last night a little bit. Justice and Jeopardy is my January 6th podcast. Um, my uh, I. I I'm Sovereign Souls Media, and uh, so my, my website is sovsouls.us, and that's where you can find all my work. But uh, I've got your substack in the yeah. in the show notes, so people can click on that. And on the top tab of the substack, the, the main homepage, there's all the links, it looks like, if you hit the hit website and so on. It should pull those things up, I think. Great. Yeah, um, I, I, yes, I, and- I went and played with it yesterday. So Sov Souls there, it's got your Twitter, it's got the, the website, the YouTube thing, and then there's also a list of... of of recent um, interviews and whatnot. So folks, if you want to see that, that's at least one central thing. I always find that if we try to do, you know, 10 or 12 different links, because I know a lot of us are, are out there in different places, it, it just, 
one link will drive to all the other links. So if you're if you're curious, it's not going to be very hard for you. People know how to use the internet. I think I trust my audience with that. Yeah, I, I go to my website. You can pretty much find uh, links to to find me everywhere. And and now and and since uh since uh 1776 returns uh, was started, that's that's also where where I write articles. So uh, okay, definitely definitely check out 1776returns.com. Yeah, some pretty wild stuff on there. And is that is that Sean um, is that Sean Witzman's thing? He's doing it full time. That's what he's launched up on. Yes, yes. So so he launched that, and um, Ashton Ritchie and I are, are his main two writers. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, Sean Sean's an incredible journalist. He's uh, he's got a great sense of humor. He really does. He's really um, he's the kind of guy that would have made it in my friend group. I always have like a couple different types of friends. You know, some friends are, are like drinking a beer, and some friends are like taking a shot. And, and he's yeah. like, he's like drinking a mixed drink. Like he's strong, but he's got a lot to say at the same time. And I, th that's always really fun. His humor is really dark, which matches my sort of look at the world. And he's very sarcastic and he's got all this kind of, uh, kind of just, just wry wit maybe. And I don't know. Like I, folks, I, I deal with Sean. Yeah. We, we text back and forth and everything we do it, it. it it's like texting where someone has deleted every, every three lines. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like he assumes that you know a couple of things and then he says something that didn't get said. You know, he moved, he jumps forward in the conversation and makes you put the other stuff in your head sometimes. It's, it's, it's clever. It's exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. He, he's brilliant. He, he's a, he's a great friend. And, uh, and he does. I mean, you, you've got to, you've got to understand that sense of humor to be friends uh, with him for sure. <laughs> it, it, there's a movie called Ronin that I watched. I don't remember if you ever saw this. This is a uh, uh, Ronin was with uh, Robert De Niro and, um, Sean Bean was in it, a couple other really good actors, uh, European film mm -hmm. it was, but I always told people it was like a regular action movie where they had really smart writers and then they deleted every other line to make it really, really weird and interesting. <laughs> and so somebody would be I like, they'd be like, he's like, you ever kill anybody? You know? And then he's like, I heard someone's feelings once, you know, <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's really cool guy talk. It's smart. And it's, it's interesting. And somebody would be like, he'd be like, were you, were you in the military? And he's like, no, I got this job to New York times. And you're like, what? <laughs> It's just, it's clever. And it's like, every time I read Sean's text back and forth, that's what it looks like to me. It's just, it's like, I missed a line in there that he didn't, no, he didn't write it. He's just assuming that I know what was the next step. And then he went two steps further beyond that. Uh, and some of his writing is that way too. And, and actually I, I saw some of that. I actually thought that Sean wrote that, uh, that article that you did. And I was actually happy to see that that's what we were talking about here. Cause I thought he was setting somebody up when we, when we first did the interview, he said, I should talk to you. And I was like, Oh no, we're going to, I don't really want to bring people on and hurt their feelings or expose them. And you're the one who's really exposing things there. Um, and so that's fantastic. I, I'm just, I'm psyched to talk to you and I think it's good. Can we, um, yeah, can well, no, I, 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 I'd like to say that, you know, it, it, like I said, it was, it was a very hard decision, uh, to, to go ahead and put that story out, um, because I knew I was going to get, you know, it was not going to go over well with everybody. Um, but I thought, it, I thought it was important to do. And, um, and, uh, you know, I, to be honest, I mean, for people who are suggesting that, that I somehow was doing it for my own benefit, it, it makes no sense because I had to eat crow to, to put this out and say, you know, I know you guys know I've been advocating hardcore for this guy for a year and a half, but, but I was, I was deceived, you know? So, uh, you know, it, it doesn't benefit me in any way. But that is the mark of doing the right thing, right? I mean, that's the, that's the thing we're not seeing the government do, it turns out. Just right. no ability to take new facts and 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 realize, oh, you know what? I thought it was this thing, but there's more to it. Yeah, they're willing to just cover up for each other. Mm -hmm. I see that too. Mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, it troubles me to no end as someone who worked in there. 
I feel like they're tarnishing credibility of people who actually did good work. And now everything is suspect because it's really bad work. Exactly. Exactly. It should, this should actually, uh, stories like what you just did should actually make you more legitimate, even if it hurts feelings inside the camp. And it's one of the reasons why I like Sean when we talk, because he said, I have a very nuanced view of things. There is no black and white in this. There's some good guys. There's some bad guys. There's some sort of good guys. There's some sort of bad guys that did some good things, you know, like life is, it's just not, it's not headlines. We don't live in headline world. Yeah. And, and I think so many people think that, um, there's going to be, we're going to figure it out. I, I, I've got, I've figured it out. You know, this, this is what it was that day, or this is what it was. And no, no, this was just a, a huge pot of, of craziness. I mean, we had so many different things going on, you know, so many different people coming from so many different angles. Uh, you know, we, we had undercovers from, from every single alphabet soup that you can imagine. And, um, and, and we had, government you know we had pelosi doing stuff and pence doing stuff i mean i mean they were they were all involved and um i see the same thing from from the defendants i i actually i work i, I work for john pierce law as well okay um and, and uh so i so i get to see a lot of this from from the inside from the, from the legal side too and and all of these defendants they they think they've found the magic bullet that's going to win their case right you know and that they're going to be the one and uh, it's not like that. It, it doesn't work that way at all. Everybody, I, I call it like an idolatry almost. It's, it's like one person is going to save us. One narrative is going to be the, the, the thread of truth that weaves everything together. There's a movie. This is another movie. I used to watch a lot of detective movies, and one of them is called Daryl Zero, or it's called Zero Effect. It's about a guy named Daryl Zero. Nobody knows it, but it's, it was the precursor to the show House, House MD, which is based on Sherlock okay. Holmes. Okay. And, mm -hmm. and Ben Stiller is kind of the, uh, the Watson character. He's the assistant and he's yelling at uh, Bill Pullman who plays the main character. And he goes, it's not a world of good guys and bad guys. It's just a bunch of guys. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> yeah. and I always hear that bouncing around in my head when people tell me, it's like, I figured it out. I've, I've cracked the case. The case is not crackable because it's not because you're, because it's so many, there's a million cases and, and, and everybody had a different story going in there. And, and I think that's, what's really important about what you've been revealing and, and more importantly, it's what's important about the way that you're willing to, to say, look, this was a con and we can all be conned. I think that's really important for, for journalists too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think it is important to, to remember that when it comes down to it, we're, we're talking about people whose uh, constitutional rights have been infringed. And, uh, and if we let this go on, you know, they, they're coming for us all. I, I, I've been saying that for the past two years, mm -hmm. uh, and people don't understand. Even if you're, even if you're, you know, you've got terrible TDS, and 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 you just think it was an insurrection, whatever. If you don't see that that this is that there's political weaponization going on, and that these people really are political hostages, uh, and that and that Merrick Garland just, uh, you know, it, it's crazy that he's still going on with this. Almost three years later, uh, he's still doing this. Uh, you know, you're in for a world of hurt going forward because, uh, you know, they, they are. They're, they're coming for us all. There's an energy in this country on both sides right now that is, it's, uh, it's barely bridled. So uh, do you mind pr prognosticating a little bit? I'm going to throw the scenario out and you tell me how it, how it ends because I think there's only a couple of ways this, this thing goes in the next little bit. One of them is that Trump wins the primary 
and he doesn't win the the general. How does that look in America? Um, well, I, I I'm afraid he's gonna he's gonna win from inside prison. <laughs> to be Cer- honest, certainly a possibility. But real possibility. yeah, we're we're kind of going. Uh, but if he wins the primary and doesn't win the general, then um, you know I I don't know what we're gonna do. Can, can anybody on the on the political right or the people that are in the, the J6 camp, can they accept that that's a legitimate loss, you think? Uh, I don't think most of America <laughs> who plans to vote for Trump can will consider that, that that's even a possibility. I, I think at that point that, you know, I think we're going to have some people who just who just give up and give in. And they're like, OK, it, you know, we completely lost our country. There's nothing we can do. And then, you know, I'm not sure if we're going to have uh people who go as far as taking to arms. Uh, I mean, you know, what, what's this going to look like? I, I really don't know. So then the next possibility is, is that he doesn't win the primary and of course, isn't in the general. And then what? Mm. And that may be because he's I in a jail cell that. too. I, th- I think that's the possibility that that happens. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I really think if, if we can't win in 2024, then, then, then I think we have lost our country. I really do. Okay. And then here's the thing that I think is also troubling because I, I look at all this stuff. I'm not uh, a, a Trump guy, although he got my vote and the second time around for sure. And, you know, he would get my vote. I don't, anybody is better than what we got going right now. He's just not somebody that I see as the solution to all these things. Mostly, I just don't like really old people in office at this point, but we're in kind of this unusual circumstance. So imagine Trump wins the primary, wins the general, and what happens to this energy that has been steamrolling people from the other side and also the mechanisms of government that are part of it? Yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the other side if we go that direction, because uh, they are they are already so, so upset. They're so triggered mm-hmm. <laughs> They're so tr- <laughs> and to have him back in the office, which is, uh, you know, you know, I think I, I think we do. We do have selections, not elections. And and I kind of feel like uh, the powers that be are going to are going to put in uh, a Republican. Um, somehow, I think that I think that's their plan. Uh, and I think they're kind of sticking different people in a little bit. They, I, I think they see that that the census is not going to be the one. Um, so they, they just keep trying different people you know you'll have pins come out and talk i mean that's that's got to be the biggest joke in the world but you don't um, want to elect a robot oh my gosh (laughs) and uh you know so i i think that they are going to try to to make it go in that direction but they're going to do everything they can to make sure it's not trump and and that's you know that's why they're that's why they've indicted him that's why they're going after him because they're going to do everything they can to keep him out of office so I, I, I just don't know. It's just such a bizarre, volatile time. And then, of course, my um, my buddies tell me that uh, there's a real possibility that we have no election at all, that it just mm-hmm. that they shut it down for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Are people in the uh, the J6 camp talking about these potential forks in the road in front of them and what that might mean for them? No, I, you know, I, I don't know that, that we've, we've had a lot of uh, talk about that. But I think it's, it's something that we do need to talk about for sure. Because all those outcomes because are going to have, they're going to have big implications for all their cases, I think. 
yeah, that that's really I, I think most people have have accepted the the reality that that's really the only way that that we're going to get these people out. Um, you know, we, we know we can't win in the courtroom. And uh, I, I implore people to come sit in on these trials because these courtrooms are empty. I mean, even even for the Proud Boys, the, the courtroom is not full. It's, it's crazy. I mean, these these are historical events and uh, play a huge role in, in what our future looks like. And, and people are not, you know, all you have to do is come to the courthouse, come on in there and listen, because it, it's crazy. I mean, the uh, the jury selection. Wow. That's that's crazy. I, I'll tell you one story. I was uh, sitting through a jury selection for that, that went on for a couple of days. And, um, you know, it was it was one one candidate after another coming up to the stand and, and the, the judge going through the, the voir dire, the questioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they she would say, you know, did you live or work near the Capitol on, on January 6th? And, and most of them, yes. And these people all they all worked for the government because that's who lives in D.C. Right. So uh, we've got Homeland Security. We, we've had a. A, uh, a J6 federal prosecutor that they tried to sneak on. Um, but anyway, they, they were coming up to the same one after another, and, and they'll openly admit, I, I'm, I'm far left-leaning politically, and, uh, and the judges get, get so frustrated that they can't find anybody that, that might be suitable to sit on this jury, so they start trying to talk them into it. You, you, can, you can overlook that, can't you? You can... You can look beyond your political feelings, and, and can't you? You can. I know you can. <laughs> so, so this was going on one after, and and then and then a a um, and they're and they're mostly like, you know, you've got the the young white liberals, and you've got the older white liberals, and then and then we had a a, a woman come to the stand. She was a black woman. I would guess she was probably in her early sixties, and and uh, the judge says, you know, did you live or? or or uh, work near the Capitol on January 6th. And, and she says, she says, well, yes, I, I was there. And the judge said, what? What were you doing there? And she said, well, I was there to use my free speech um, to uh, protest against a stolen election. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that go? <laughs> the judge was just in shock, you know? So because they, she had let so many other uh, you know, politically far leaning left people on. She had to allow this woman to uh, to be on the jury. But of, of course, the, the government struck her down. You know, I think that was their first strike. Yeah, no, she's not. But as she she exited the courtroom and she walked by us in the gallery and we all said, God bless you. And and the prosecutor, I mean, if you use the word God in these courtrooms, they flip out. And And we said it quietly just as she walked by us. But the the prosecutor is, you know, oh, your honor, you know, they're talking to the jury. And so the, the, the judge had to, uh, you know, Clear the tell room us that, that, that we couldn't tamper with the witness, with the jury. <laughs> yeah, stop tampering with the jury with a basic blessing that happens for everybody who sneezes in America. Yes, yes. Even people that don't yes. believe in God say that. Uh-huh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we are. So, uh, yeah, it's. In these, in these, in these trials, and you know, I think everyone should do it. Well, if you're in the area, definitely uh, make a take a day. It's a vacation that you will probably be able to see something that you can tell your grandkids about how strange it is. I'm sure. 
Um, speaking about being in the courtroom, you were in the courtroom yesterday with uh, with Owen. Is that is that true? I, I was not in the courtroom. I, I arrived when he was done and okay. he was outside uh, uh, giving a presser right when I right when I walked up. So I, I, I'm going to put something out today uh, that that uh, that I did yesterday on that. Uh, that was uh, that was a fantastic. I mean, he stood out there and talked to us for like an hour. Um, but, you know, he said what I've been saying. Uh, this whole time is these are First Amendment um, cases, every single one of them. And uh, his absolutely is because they have been uh, listening to everything he said for the past five years, um, every word that he has said. And they, you know, he didn't even go inside. And they're giving him 60 days. I mean, you know, he stood out there with Alex Jones, who was doing the most most of the talking, who was telling people not to go inside. And uh, they're they're going after him. They're going after him hard. Did you, so, did you hear what uh, Alex was saying for all of it, or was it was it anywhere near where you guys were at? No, no, I was not near Alex Jones on that day. Um, so I didn't I didn't hear what he was saying. But but from what I've what, from what I've heard, that's that's what he was saying from from other people who have listened to him. Um, you know, he was he was telling people that not to go inside. Yeah, it's crazy. I I called Owen yesterday and gave him my you know. If there's anything we can do to help him, I want to. I don't know what it'll be, but uh, it, it is amazing to think that we are going to jail journalists. And he would not be the first one. I mean, obviously, uh, Sean went to, you know, had to had to plead guilty. And a lot of these guys have, have gone through, you know, people who were there for professional purposes who did or didn't, you know, people who didn't even enter the building were getting hit with it. And it seemed like uh, Steve Baker's story to me. I don't know. I'm sure you know of Steve Baker. Uh, yeah. his, his story is it just depends on how you covered it. If you were... If you put it out there and said the, the terrible, awful, no good, very bad Trump Republicans were there, then your story is okay and your coverage is fine. And if you didn't, then they come after you. To me, that's shocking. Mm -hmm. that, I, I keep telling people this, and it's the, it's a soundbite, but it, it's, it rings really true. The America that I grew up in would invade the America I live in. Right. Like, when, yeah. when did we flip over and become a tyrannical, lunatic, fringe government that is acting like a banana republic? When do you think that turnover was? Um, you know, I, I think COVID moved it along pretty quickly, to be honest. Uh, but, but just even Trump coming into office, uh, I, I, I think when, uh, when Hillary didn't win, uh, they, they started panicking and they're like, let's, let's turn this up. Let's put the, <laughs> the pedal to the floor. We gotta, we gotta move this forward. It see that may be the case. I think people that tell me about the FBI say 2015, 2016 was a breaking point. And of course I mm -hmm. came in at 2016. So what do I know? All, all I knew was what was going on. And they'd already, they'd already decided to, to surveil a presidential campaign and lie on a FISA application. So yeah, it's, it's such a crazy thought uh, coming up, you know, respecting an organization, going to work for it and then getting inside of it and seeing it being the opposite. I want to ask one more question. This may be kind of a tough one to, to dig into. Um, Jake Lang has reached out to me in the same way that you were talking about multiple different phone numbers, text messages from not the same phone, and apparently does a podcast from inside the DC jail. You have a read on what Jake Lang's about that you're willing to talk to? Um, yeah, no comment. That makes as much sense as anything else. I'll comment on it on my thoughts later. Then <laughs> that'll be fine. <laughs> uh, that's not that's not my uh, my concern. But I did. Uh, yeah, it says what it is. All right, folks. Um, I don't want to dig any deeper, and I definitely don't want to uh, put you in the hole with the people that you're reporting on. If you have interest in people who are defending themselves against J6 from the spectrum that goes from 
bad and nefarious actors grifting a lot of money to people who are probably some of the worst political prisoners in the United States at this point. Uh, you can definitely check out Mel's stuff and her things are, are down her uh, social and her website are down in our show notes. I'm pointing down where you can't see Mel, but that's what I'm doing <laughs> to where the show notes are. Um, anything that you'd like to leave as a, as a parting message for people as a, as a, and you have any hope that you, you've seen coming out of any of this? Um, you know, I, I think uh, one of the biggest struggles we have uh, is being able to fund this. Uh, the, the left just seems to have as much money as they as they need. Um, you know, as we saw when they were when they were bailing people out <laughs> who were who were just getting you know a, a slap on the wrist and a fifty dollar ticket. Mm -hmm. um, but these these uh, these cases are not um, they're not easy to to fight. And, and they take a lot of time and, and we've got quite a few, uh, not as many as we need, um, attorneys who are really fighting hard and who are doing this for, you know, pretty much nothing. I mean, <laughs> barely, barely getting by, you know, taking on so many cases. And um, we really do need help on that end to, to fight these in the courtroom, because because even if even if we're not going to win uh, these, you know, cases that we've got right now. We, I think we have a really good chance of, of winning them um, in appeals. And uh, some of these are going to have to go all the way to the Supreme Court. So, um, you know, please do donate to help these, these, um, these attorneys, these, these law firms. Um, and, and you can either go to directly to their gives and goes. Um, and you can, you can uh, find links to those um, there should be a link on my website, I think, to to where you can find some of those. Uh, but just go to Gibson Go and, and search for, for January 6th. Or if you, you know, if you watch my episodes, I always link their Gibson Goes. And these are to, to help uh, their, their legal funds. And, uh, and as well, I mean, these people, they're, they're losing everything. They, they're having a hard time just keeping, you know, a roof over their head for their families back home and, and food in the pantry. Um, and you can also go to um, NCLU. Uh, org and uh, you can you can give uh, there directly to uh, to the John uh, Pierce Law uh, Fund to to help us um, you know keep keep this going. So let me make sure I, I gave that right. I think it's dot nclu. Um, you said nclu.org. Nclu.org. So kind of like ACLU, but not yeah, NCLU, but not uh, not Nash interested in, in left wing fascism. Exactly. Exactly. Or whatever it is, they are the national law union. Mm -hmm. so, national uh, constitutional law union. Okay. Yeah, just get involved. Get involved. I mean, uh, because like I like I said, they're they're coming for us all. So if if we're not fighting for these people, you know, it's it's going to be hard in the long run. It is going to be hard, I think, either way. But uh, I appreciate that you're out there reporting on it. I appreciate that you joined us this morning to, to speak with us. And uh, sorry we had some tech difficulties, but I'm glad we worked out. I like this phone option, too, as a backup. This is uh, The audio is great, and I think people can can walk away and hear exactly what you had to say. And, uh, you know, they, they, I could do it that way, too. In fact, I, I'm not always sure why I have to have a video podcast, but it is a thing out there. And it definitely gives us access to Rumble. <laughs> so uh, thanks for joining us, uh, people. You can support Mel. And, yeah. Thanks for all and 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 thanks for doing the right thing um and uh I, I really appreciate you having me on it's it's quite an honor kyle well it's my pleasure thanks for thanks for making the time uh we will have more guests like this folks if you liked what you heard by all means share this stuff make sure you are liking it on rumble 
Uh, that is my new job. I say things like that instead of uh, telling people that I come from the FBI. It's kind of a weird world that I live in here. But we do stream the show live from Liberty Hill, Texas at 930 Eastern Time, 830 Central. It is a live show, so sometimes it has all the fun of a live show, which is to say connection issues. Thanks for sticking around for all of that. Uh, folks, you can follow me on on uh, Twitter at Kyle Serafin or... You can go to the link in our description and leave us a five-star review on Apple. And we really appreciate when you guys do. Uh, this one's review comes in from K Mage saying, awesome Patriot five-star Kyle. Thank you for all you're doing to point out the false idols of this world and help redirect us to the truth. We all need to educate our friends who are lost in the world and to see the bigger meanings of life and community based in God. Well, I 100% agree with that, and I am very grateful that you liked our idolatry episode. It's uh, it's something we should all be real cautious of. And uh, people like Garrett O'Boyle have been out there keeping me honest and aware and paying attention to the biblical significance of the spiritual battle that I think we're all in. And people like Mel Halley, my guest today, are in that spiritual battle. They're out there trying to give you the truth. You got to figure it out for yourself. You got to go out there and read and listen to what what is being said and make some good discerning things and pray about them for sure. Uh, folks, you can follow this show on the uh, the video channel, which is rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin, or you can share it on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and so on. And by all means, leave us a five-star review. We will read yours. I want to say thanks to the hard work of Ryan Matta, who is out there working in the background, making sure this thing was coming together. And we do want to thank all of our sponsors. If you do need any of the things that are listed there, if you want to get information, go to Catholic Vote. If you want to get a Tumblr or a, a hard cooler or something like that, check out Patriot Coolers. And if you want that merch, Kyle I'm sorry, it's the space, it's the dash suspendables.com. You can tell that I'm starting to glitch too. I might have some Mitch McConnell in me today. The dash suspendables.com for Gerardo Boyle stuff and it supports the suspendables. Folks, we will see you again tomorrow. And tomorrow is Thursday. So that means I'm going to be talking to Mike Benz about the CIA getting involved in the messaging campaigns and CIA cutouts. Don't miss that. Definitely stick around for Mike Benz tomorrow. And until then, I hope you have a wonderful day and y'all be safe. We'll talk Thanks soon. for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter and True Social at Kyle Serafin.